0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
1: As you guys know, there's no other sport like hockey. From the fast tempo to the fights to the highlight reel plays, and there's no better way to make it more exciting than betting on it. By understanding the details of each team and game, you can turn that knowledge into cash with MyBookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie has the best payouts, and better odds than any other sportsbook. I wouldn't be telling you this if they weren't the best. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $100, you receive an extra $50 free money to play with. Deposit $200, get an extra $100, you get the deal. Just use the promo code THPN to activate the offer and take advantage of this. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. While the guys of the Pittsburgh Penguins are enjoying the Florida weather, or at least were enjoying the Florida weather all of last week, we were stuck in the frozen chandra that is western Pennsylvania. I know you didn't get as nearly as much as I did where I'm at, but how was your weekend, Nick?
0: No, I definitely didn't get as much as you did, but hey, it finally snowed here, and mm-hmm. it got me sick, kind of. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we can say the winter weather in
1: Pittsburgh is one for one with you. <laughs> Yeah. So welcome to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you by the hockey podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined as always as you just heard by Nick Horwat who's a little under the weather today but you know he fights through it just like all the penguins have been doing through injuries. So it's a brave and heroic thing <laughs> you're doing today. Horwat, I commend you for that.
0: Man, the video that we just that were taking here cut out a lot on that but I'm assuming it consisted of brave, heroic commending me thank you I'm glad to be yes. here yes it was I very, think Mason's taken a, up a lot of the wi-fi uh
1: see as long as we have the uh the audio going on in each individual feeds we should be good so what we're yeah. going to do today is we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins Florida road trip ending off their three-game road trip that they had they played the Tampa Bay Lightning as well as the Florida Panthers you predicted that they were going to go two and oh yeah, I predicted 1-1, one and one, but I was also incorrect because I said they would beat the Lightning and lose to the Panthers. So, we'll get into it first by starting by talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning game. The Pens fall 4-2 to two to the Lightning, which is 3-2 to two with an empty netter. I'll get through the goal review real quick. First period, Tampa Bay scored first about halfway into the first period. Mikhail Sergachev takes a shot that bounces off of one of the Penguins' defensemen's skate and passed... Matt Murray for Sergachev's eighth of the season, assisted to Hedman and Johnson. A couple minutes later, Tampa Bay makes it two to nothing with Steven Stamkos scoring on a two-on-one with Braden Point, and that is where the first period ended. Second period, the Penguins get a lucky bounce off of Evgeny Malkin's shin pad, and the Pens make it two to one, 925 in. That's Malkin's 17th of the season from Hornquist and Chris Letang. Tampa Bay responded less than a minute later, making it three to one with Anthony Sorelli scoring his 14th, coming down the off wing and beating Matt Murray to his blocker side. And that is where we went into the third period at a score of three to one in favor of Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh cut it to three to two with a John Marino goal, his fifth of the season coming up into the slot and stepping up in the play and receiving a pass from Evgeny Malkin before burying it past Andre Vasilevsky. And as we mentioned, Tampa Bay was able to capitalize on the empty net, making it 4-2 to with just 33 seconds left in the game. That's Nikita Kucherov scoring his 25th from Hedman, who gets his third assist of the game. And Vasilevsky, the goaltender, gets the good goalie assist there. So the Penguins Ooh. fall 4-2 to to Tampa Bay. And really, I think the big storyline of this game, and anybody's really thinking of, and we're going to mention it and talk about it later, is the Penguins had a 5-on-3 for just over 90 seconds in the third period. Yeah. And they were unable to really even get anything going.
0: Yeah, it was brutal. And we're going to
1: talk a lot about it. So what did you yeah. think about
0: that specific power play? That power play, it's the one where we, where I kind of looked at it as something finally has to give, right? Like, it's a 5-on-3, it's this firepower. I think one of their guys down was Alex Kalorn, who is a pretty big penalty killer for them. So they were also not only just down an extra man, they were down a guy who's normally out there killing penalties. You figure something's got to go right, something's got to give. You're not even are you up on a 5 on 3, you're due for one. You're long overdue for one and nothing and still nothing comes out of it. That power play and kind of that game was just disappointing to watch. I have a few opinions, at least that, not a few, but I have an opinion on that when, on our effort whenever we pulled Matt Murray. Boy, it we stood there. We didn't move. The second Murray left the net, I think everyone stopped skating, and it was noticeable. Like, we had it for a split second, and then we got rid of it, and then it looked like it was just standing and gliding. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I just saw that or if anyone else feels this way, but it looked brutal.
1: Yeah, I know Josh Yohe in his post-game assessment for the Athletics said about the same thing, that he wasn't happy. And Mike Sullivan wasn't really happy with the way they played with the empty net either. And it's a thing of other than that time, because it did not look like they were playing all that hard that time. And it did not look good when they had the empty net. The majority of the game, I don't think the Penguins played all that poorly. I think they came out to a bad start, which we learned if you're going to do that against a team like Tampa Bay, they're going to run you over. Right. And the Pittsburgh
0: Penguins were just playing from behind. Pittsburgh didn't look bad but Tampa looked worlds better. Yeah. Tampa was definitely far better. Vasilevsky made some big saves. I mean, Matt Murray didn't play terribly again. I believe Mm. it's, he's still improving as the season goes on now, which is great. I like, I believe he has been getting a lot better. He's been getting a lot better in between, you know, the ears too. Like he's, his head game is much better. It seems. And, you know, going forward with this team, it's going to be fun to watch. I know, you know, having two goalies is a good problem to have. They're both playing very well. Matt Murray's coming back into the fold a little bit more, and there's still absolutely no word on the John Marino thing, but I know that's something we wanted to get into.
1: Yeah, and at this point, let's just closing statements on Matt Murray. He did play a pretty good game, 26 saves on 29 shots. If you looked at the first two goals, and I mentioned it earlier, one of them, the first goal was deflected by your own teammate, and the second goal was a two-on-one with Braden Point and Steven Stamkos. And as much as I don't think Braden Point is a superstar in this league, which I still don't, He's still able to execute that play, and Steven Stankos is able to finish it. There was no chance for Matt Murray on that play. So when you're talking about two of the three goals he gives up being grade A, 95% tile chances for the Tampa Bay Lightning of all teams, I don't think that's really anything to scoff at for Matt Murray and his performance in that game. So you mentioned the John Marino injury. He was struck in the face with a puck after it was deflected by his own teammate, Zach Aston Reese. The initial reaction by Sullivan on that night was that it didn't seem that serious. And then he was to be evaluated, which is later today on Monday as the team returns to Pittsburgh. When they played in Florida, Yuso Rikla was able to jump back into the lineup because of this. Justin Schultz was promoted to the second pairing alongside Marcus Pedersen, which we saw a lot towards the tail end of last season as a pairing. And then it was reported weirdly enough before that game in Florida yeah. by a lot of non-team sources that he has a broken cheekbone and requires surgery and a six week recovery time. But the team hasn't confirmed anything yet. Like I said, Mike Sullivan said that he will update us later today. So, and we don't really know what's going on with that.
0: So whenever the injury happened, immediately it went to Mike Sullivan saying he should be okay. Um, We'll assess further. I think he said tomorrow or whatever. He said that right after the game, um, after the game, it was just we're keeping him out of practice for precautionary reasons. He'll be evaluated further. Game time comes. He's not playing for precautionary reasons. He'll be evaluated further. In between those two, though, it was broken by, I forget. I think it was DK Sports said. KDKA. Yeah. I thought. KDK said it too? Someone said it. Yeah. Um, that he will be, through sources of close to Marino, not even a team source, not a doctor, but it was sources close to the athlete that he has a broken cheek, he has three broken, broken cheekbones. I never saw anything on timetable. I just saw required surgery. I had to do a story about it for the fan, which was basically, you know, it was um, sources from the athlete or close to the athlete that he requires a surgery for multiple cheek, you know, multiple broken bones in his cheek. And that was it. I never once put in there saying a timetable because I never saw a timetable until you said something. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. comes and goes the game. And, you know, he's Mike Sullivan's still saying he'll be evaluated. Uh, he'll be continue to be evaluated. At this point, something's got to be up. I don't want to be the one that harps on it's a playable injury because it is, but you don't want that situation to happen. You know our defense mm-hmm. is playing well enough that... Someone shouldn't be forcing their way through an injury. It's not the playoffs. I'm not saying strap him up with a cage and get him back in there. I'm saying let's go whenever he's comfortable with everything. He's a rookie. He's got a long career ahead of him. Don't don't jeopardize it now.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. And if it is playable, that's what they're going to look at later today is if he requires surgery, it's not playable because he's right. going to need to recover from surgery. If it's possible for him to play without surgery, he'll probably play, I would assume, later in this week, possibly. But the thing that's weird is, you mentioned it, they went to sources close to the player. And in almost every injury case, we usually never see stuff from sources close to the player. This stuff's usually, especially in the midst of a season, of a team that is in the tops of the league, in the top five of the league perennially, it's a lot of the team has to break it. So that's why I think a lot of it was weird, because I usually check when I look for stuff like that. I check the Penguins official Twitter page, obviously. Yep. I check Inside Scoop. Always. Pen's Inside Scoop, excuse me. And I check Dave Molinari, who works for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Those are my th- those are my three go-to's. None of them said anything of that kind. And even after this news was broken by, I think you said DK Pittsburgh Sports is where you saw yeah. it. I saw it from KDK. Those three were quite silent. And there wasn't anything about it. So that's what's weird to me. We'll of course figure this out later today unfortunately so we'll talk about it probably on our thursday episode but it's just a it was a weird scenario during that entire florida trip because marino also stayed with the team through the florida game
0: oh okay i mean i figured he wouldn't go home just to be with the team and to possibly get in the game on Fri or against florida if need be but it wasn't exactly a situation that you wanted to see the other thing too is i you know no one really saw any, you know, pictures or anything of the injury, but then I ended up, whenever I was at work, ended up finding that one, just a of hu- that huge gash right under his eye or whatever, and it looked brutal, but that's just a gash in the face, that's nothing much there, but knowing the extent of a puck hitting you in the face, it's not pretty, and luckily it wasn't, like, his mouth or anything, he's not losing teeth out of it, as far as we know, at least. If you don't mind, I want to mention one thing, the whole... Did you see Mark Madden's tweet tweets, multiple tweets about him not wearing a a guard? Yes, I, I did see that, but go ahead and, and enlighten our listeners. So the super genius, who I am I'll openly say I enjoy his stuff sometimes, but this one killed me whenever he was brand mentioning that John Marino, his whole hockey life, had worn a face guard of face protection of sort. Which granted mm-hmm at this day and age everyone does that until they wear a cage yeah they have to they have to wear a cage i know the chl backs off on it um ncaa requires it you know it's kind of your choice that for most leagues then he takes it off in the nhl because that's what you know everyone does Mm -hmm. and he said wow so he wears a face guard his whole life takes it off for a year and something like this happens there's absolutely zero correlation here. <laughs> None. Yeah, not one bit. <laughs> yeah. a Someone, and screw it, I'll name names. The Penn's Chronicles guy, of all people, had the great <laughs> response of saying, you did, you weren't bitching about this whenever it happened to Crosby. Fair enough. Because <laughs> yeah. Crosby, again, did the same thing. Got to the CHL, stopped wearing it there because he didn't have to there. Also, years in the league later, finally takes a pus- puck to the face. Mm-hmm. It's, that was 2013. <laughs> It was a Gimla's first or second game here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was 2013 season, so he had played for almost eight years in the NHL before that happened. It just so happened that this happened to a rookie in John Marino. So that, that begs the question, Horwat, do you think the NHL should take more precaution when it comes to players wearing full-face shields or having more protection for the face area for the
0: NHL players? Because we're already on the topic, so we might as well stick with that. I just, I don't think they need more. I think more or less it should be more available like if a player wants to wear a cage or a fishbowl mask on their own, they should be able to. I'm not. I don't I mean you can now. Um, I don't believe there's anything against it, as far as I, I know. There was... Unless you're hurt already, I don't know what the exact rule is. I think if there is a rule that's you know you have to have a facial or like some sort of head injury before you can wear a mask of that kind, then they should take that away because giving the players at least that opportunity to. Freely and openly just kind of wear a mask for their own protection is good. I know the visors can be huge. We've seen some big ones in our day, but it seems, you know, these days guys are usually wearing the smaller visor because whether well, they don't want to wear one at all, but they're grandfathered into this new rule of mm-hmm. if you're drafted after a certain date, which at this point is official for everyone. Almost um, everyone. Yeah. I, I forget what the date is that I forget the cutoff. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure exactly when it was, but even the people that were grandfathered in, a good bit of them started still wearing full face like, shoes. Yeah. There's not many people that I can think of off the top of my head in the
0: NHL that still go without a visor. I think Zach Cassian is one of them, but that that is that is it. Cassian, Chara, and Ryan O'Reilly are three that I can think of off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, and to further your statement on the full face mask thing, in the NHL, the full face mask is not permitted unless – of a medical necessity. So that is where they currently stand on, is that you're not allowed wearing it unless there's some medical issue where you need to be protecting your face. Which, like you mentioned, we already had that step from players now have to wear at least the visor. And yeah. whether that be Carl Hagelin wearing the visor on the, the lo- what looks like the crown of his head, right, or it has to be on there for players that are drafted now. I think, personally, these guys, there's a reason that in leagues other than the NHL. It is not permitted for anybody under the age of 18 because that's that's when you become an adult and that's when you can make that decision. And I right. get that some of these players are playing early and playing at 16 and they're being thrown forward as big stars already in this. that are going to be in the league. I think you should still give the opportunity if somebody wants to wear a full face mask, they should be allowed to. I don't know why that's a rule currently. I don't know if there's something safety wise against wearing a full face mask, but I would say even if you don't allow them to wear cages, the fish bubble should be able, easily
0: allowed. Yeah, I think part of that might also be because of how at one point how prevalent fighting was in the league and you don't want these guys fighting through cages, which I understand because they also don't want these guys taking their helmets off on their own anymore. Yeah, I guess that's true. So too. there's steps to it, but at the same time you gotta figure if someone's wearing a cage, they're not the kind they're probably not the kind of player that'll wanna step into that. I'm not saying make the cage mandatory. I'm saying make it, you know, a thing that if the guys wanna wear it, that is their selection. Okay. Just the amounts I just feel like what might affect that is the amount of like you know, hands in face stuff that there is. You see it after every whistle in a rivalry game. It's the thing that happens And I guess there is a give or take with all that. Maybe a lot of players will also hold back from another guy because they have a cage on. It's a weird thing. It's something that the league not should look into, but, you know, should have an eye on to, to know what the players want. Do they want to keep their, you know, million dollar faces protected or they, you know, not really caring that much. It's something that an NHL it's that's more of an NHLPA situation I guess because it is the players that have to make this decision themselves yeah and
1: that's that's the big key word that you said is decision and that's what we both I believe said is we just feel like the players should have the decision whether or not they want to wear it because also I understand that some players that have not been have playing without a full cage for this long of time it would be an issue with them for visual reasons as well what we think is it's all should be dependent on the player if he wants to or not but this is all sparked out of the john marino injury of course let's do one more thing to wrap that up is what is do you think the impact of john marino if he is out longer term
0: man and then it's just another obviously it's just another injury on our list for one um for two um we still don't have too much of a timetable on Brian Dumoulin coming back, and we see how thin our defense is getting. We finally got to a point where Ricola was getting scratched again. Or, you know, soon enough it was going to be Ruweedle getting scratched again. It was going to be, you know, finally our defense looking full, looking whole again with, you know, Dumoulin, Letang, Johnson, Schultz, uh, Marino, uh, Pedersen. And now we're down to scraps, almost scraps again. One more injury or one more you know decision made and we're looking at one of our you know wilkes defensemen coming up because we're running out of options professionally here
1: yeah and it's important to note that also one of the players that could be brought up Zach Trotman also got hit in the face with a puck right in the top lip and he has a severe cut there too so I believe he's on a decent like there's nothing that actually happened there injury wise I think he lost a few teeth and that was it yeah but you got to think it'd be Trotman or we could see Kuzman or somebody like that come up. Yeah. If there was, even if there isn't another injury, you might want that seventh defenseman yeah. up with the team. For instances like Marino getting hurt in the midst of a road trip. So we mentioned and you mentioned that Ricola got back in the lineup in that Panthers game. Let's Let's shift on over to the Panthers game and talk about that a little bit. We're going to start with our goal review. The Pens defeated the Panthers 3-2. to It started in the first period when Latang came out of the penalty box about 6 minutes and 30 seconds in. He beat Sergei Bobrovsky for his 12th of the season, which was a little bit of vindication for him. As he said after the game, he didn't feel like the penalty should have been warranted of him being in the box in the first place. So he said a little bit of good karma going his way there. And then a couple minutes later... Superhero Teddy Bluger puts his eighth of the season in. Jack Johnson gets the primary assist. Latang gets the secondary assist, if you want to call them that, because all Johnson did was shoot the puck and miss the net completely, and it went right to Teddy Bluger. But the Pens nonetheless up two to nothing. A little bit later in the last half of the first period, Mike Hoffman scores his 21st of the season assists to Frankie Petrano and Tony Nato, making the score two to one in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins after the first period of play. Moving on to the second period of play, the Pittsburgh Penguins finally break through. And we'll talk about this a lot. They finally break through with a power play goal. Sidney Crosby tips in his 10th of the season, assisted by Jared McCann, who is playing the near boards, and Evgeny Malkin, putting the Penguins up 3-1. Less than a minute and a half later, Florida makes it 3-2. Brett Connolly puts his 17th goal of the season past Tristan Jari. Vinny Trotrek, who seems to score every single time the Panthers play the Pittsburgh Penguins, he gets the primary assist, Mike Hoffman gets the secondary assist, and then that is it. From that point on, no more goals the last 35 minutes of the game. Tristan Jari shuts the door down, stands on his head, 35 saves over 30, or 33 saves, I should say, and 35 shots, included a late-game flurry that saw him make several top-notch saves, and the breakaway in the last second. He stands on his head. Pens win 3-2 to two in a game that maybe towards the end there, they didn't deserve to get both points, but they hold on, they get the two points here, and they take half of the points and split the series down in Florida. What did you think about
0: this game overall? I had to work, so it was interesting just watching the updates come in. I kind of forgot a game was happening come the last, like you said, 35 minutes as I wasn't getting any more notifications. Seeing Jari stand on his head is great. I saw a tweet that with Crosby's 10th goal, we are now the second team behind of all teams the nashville predators to have nine players i believe it's nine with 10 or more goals Hmm. the predators are not having a great season but they have nine players with 10 or more goals
1: yeah they probably all have 11 or 12
0: (laughs) yeah that's what i was thinking too
1: but meanwhile there's the pens that have a couple guys in the 20s
0: yeah but we have nine players with 10 or more and it's i can't remember them off the top of my head you got stats in front of you I don't have the stats. Were we naming the nine players that have ten or more goals? I believe it's nine. I should probably double-check that number before we go anywhere. But that would make Crosby, Malkin, obviously Jake Gensel. Rust. Quick, Brian Rust, thank you. Where are the stats? Chris right Brandon Tanev. Jared McCann. Patrick Hornquist. Tanev is 11. That's right. And Dominic Cahoon. And Dom Cahoon. He has ten. So I believe we got them all. If not go look it up so. yourself it's it, it's a fun little fact we're the one of two teams in the league and we're probably the better team out of the two that has that real nice statistical number right now other than that the game i like you mentioned we got we went 1 for 1 on the power play which is what has been killing us for a lot of the season we we stopped that one for a little while it seemed after going on a long streak without a power play goal last few games we went 0 for 11 Now we've picked up the one against Florida, and is it it another turning point for us with it? Let's certainly hope so. I
1: mean, we'll talk about the power play a little bit after we come back from our break, but before that break, I just wanted to talk about one more thing about the Florida game. When the goalie was pulled, the Pittsburgh Penguins did not look good and could not clear the puck. That was not a good sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the other, let's say, first 16, 17 minutes of the third period... The Pittsburgh Penguins played extremely good third-period hockey for a road team. It's something that we didn't see when they played against Washington. The entire third-period against Washington, the Pittsburgh Penguins were on their heels. They were giving up chance after chance, and luckily, Matt Murray was able to shut the door. This time, the Penguins spent time, even though they didn't score— They spent time in that offensive zone a lot more. They got shots on Sergei Bobrovsky. They forced pressure, and what they did basically more than anything is they made sure they get pucks deep into the zone. That's the old saying that everybody says in their interviews, get pucks deep, and that's what they did in the third period, and that's what you want to do on the road with a lead in the third period. And The Pittsburgh Penguins were able to do that against Florida on Saturday night, and they were unable to do that against Washington the previous Sunday. So it's good to see that they learned from that experience in Washington to play a better game. Now, I get Washington might have a little bit more of an offensive prowess than Florida, but not by much. Right. And Florida, their team speed is ridiculous. Watching that game yesterday, just seeing how fast players like Sasha Barkov and Mike Hoffman are, and not even Mike Hoffman, but Vinny Trocek, that team is really fast, and if we see them in the playoffs, that's going to be a dangerous team come the playoffs. You know what I would really like to see, though? I'd love to see Tampa Bay versus Florida in the first round.
0: Yeah, it finally be an interesting – I don't know how to put it. It would just be really fun to see because it's – It'd be the two, really
1: two... good for Florida for hockey in Florida.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and they're two very fun teams that I feel like we don't see play against each other very often. Mm-mm. Not that it's maybe because it is two Florida teams and it's very unnoticeable. But fl- Well, I mean the
1: national media doesn't like like us to see any good matchups. That's why we instead of getting the Battle of Alberta on national television, get the Kings versus the Lightning.
0: Or just another Chicago game. Or yeah, or
1: Chicago versus Chicago B team.
0: Yeah. Their practice. No, that'd be an interesting one for sure. It's it's getting toward that time where we start talking about playoff matchups and who would be a fun match of who we want to see, who we don't want to see, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Florida looking like they might be in, depending on how things fall, I guess. It's going to be really interesting between them and
1: Toronto for the third seed in the Atlantic, and then also those teams are still fighting for a wildcard position too, and you never know what Philadelphia is going to do. They might drop out of a playoff spot, or they might beat Washington 7-2 to again. Right. Who knows? It's just going to be an interesting final what, two months from now is yeah. the end of the season? So it's going to be an interesting yeah. two months. So the tip of the iceberg and the Hockey Podcast Network have partnered with NHL Shop to give you, our loyal listeners, the opportunity to up your NHL apparel game. Whether it's NHL memorabilia, hockey cards and collectibles, or even simply team apparel, we've got you covered. Just visit us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast and click the link in the pin tweet for some awesome deals at NHL Shop, it's time to gear up, Pens fans, and gear up for the NHL playoffs. But if we're going to gear up for the playoffs, you know what really needs to gear up, and we've mentioned it an awful lot on this episode already. That's the Pittsburgh Penguins power play. So when we come back, we will discuss the Pens power play struggles and what they could do to improve heading into the last quarter of the season. We'll be right
0: back. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at hockey New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts
1: from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Nick Berlansky, He's Nick Horwat. You've probably already been listening for the first 30 minutes, so you already know that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the Penguins. Power play unit. They went one for one in Florida over the weekend. They're three and one since the All-Star Break, but it probably could be four and oh, if not for a seemingly dormant power play unit. Like we said, they they broke through against Florida on Saturday night, Sidney Crosby getting the power play goal, ending up being the game winner. But they're still ranked fifteenth in the league at nineteen point eight percent on the power play right now. You mentioned that they were 0 for 11 going into that Florida game. So they're 1 for 12 in the past three games. What did they do against Florida that was different? Well, for one, they switched Letang and Schultz on the top unit. And two, McCann was on the wing over Brian Rust. So that's how Mike Sullivan decided to try to change it up. And it worked as of right now. They're 1 for 1 with that unit.
0: Yeah, um, But is that what it's going to take for them? I don't know if that's what it's going to take exactly. It's our power play has been streaky all year. We've known this. This isn't the first time we're having the discussion of when will our power play score again. Crystal Tang has always been an enigma with our power play for some reason. This isn't the first time he's been taken off of it for Justin Schultz and not just because of a Crystal Tang injuries. It's something that we've had to do before come playoff time. We've had to do it and it's just happening again. Brian Rust has been getting a couple of maintenance days from practice not quite what you want to see from one of your top scorers and i have him on my fantasy team and he had zero points on friday saturday
1: i don't think you have any room to talk about fantasy you've kind of shut up the standings here so oh en- yeah en- enough bra- enough bragging about your fantasy I'm team On a hell a of a
0: streak right now i'm currently beating the number one team by 100 points yeah no it's things that you those are just things you don't want to see from you know, a team like this, whenever you mention we ha- took off Brian Russ, who's having a great season for J- for Jared McCann, Hornquist is out there and being spotty at times, but can still get the job done. But then there's your big hitters, you know, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, who's now not there. Those are guys that are normally scoring power play goals at a, you know, torrid rate. I don't know if it's just the system. I mean, this is something that has, I feel like a power play system has changed a lot in the last five or so years in league wide. Yeah. Is it time for a change again? What's the deal just what's the deal with what's going on now is the big question that I don't think anyone has the answer for.
1: They finished fifth last year on the power play right at 24.6%. Now I get that trading somebody like Phil Kessel is going to leave a huge hole on the left side of the wall because that's what he was last season. Even when he was struggling, he was still a power play specialist. Right. And he was still playing well on the power play, and that's why the Penguins still finished top five in power play percentage last year. I get that's big. Brian Russ has been filling in this season since the Jake Gensel injury because this wasn't very much of an issue when we had Jake Gensel healthy with either Crosby or Malkin, but we've not had our full power play unit yet this season. We aren't going to because Jake Gensel is not going to be back. It's... Kind of the point of saying, yes, I could see you switching Letang and Schultz because Letang is a pass-first guy and Justin Schultz is more of a trigger man. And right. that's what the I think the one big problem for the Penguins is you looked at that five-on-three in Tampa. They never really even got opportunities because they never shot the puck. Yeah. You can't pass it around the outside and expect a team like Tampa Bay to lose an assignment right. because they're not going to, especially come the playoff season. Come playoff season, nobody's going to give you an open man, and if they do, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So the thing is you need to get more pucks onto the net because you look at Latang, you look at Crosby, you look at Hornquist, who's just a net front guy, honestly, on that power play, yeah. so he's not really going to possess the puck a whole lot. It's a lot of pass-happy people, and I know that it sounds really Yinzer-esque and Yinzer mouth-breather, as Troll would say to say, you got to shoot the puck more, but we did really do because we see what happened whenever we put Justin Schultz on there. We get more shots onto the net and we get more opportunities on the power play, whether that leads to more goals on the power play remains to be seen, but you get more opportunities. Eventually the goal numbers are going to start coming with it. So I agree with putting Justin Schultz on that top unit. Also, it gives Chris Letang some time to relax. Right. And to not be on the ice. Yeah. Which we do and we say it every year. And obviously he can handle the workload, but whenever, especially whenever he's playing with Jack Johnson, we need to lighten his workload to make sure he is at the top of his game whenever he's out there at five on five. Not necessarily at five on four, especially when you have somebody like Justin Schultz who can run the power play. The McCann over Rust move is it's semantics. It's yeah, we need we need new blood on here. And Brian Rust has hit a little bit of a cold spell when it comes to goal scoring and getting assists and getting points so I like moving McCann up there it's just something that's going to switch it up two guys that have similar skill sets when it comes to the power play so other than that all you really need to do is have your stars figure it out
0: yeah and they are they're all guys that can figure it out this is a team that can in fact like you said figure it out like I've said figure it out it's not the hardest thing to do you said you know, the key is to shoot more and the something we're not doing. I am one that understands you can't just shoot it willy-nilly. Sometimes you have to. Let's be honest. Sometimes you do just have to get a puck on net, even if it hits a body, at least you're giving an attempt and at making the other team move a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you start standing around, then they start standing around or start, you know, moving into their spots, you can't let that happen. So yeah, you have to pass, but you'll do still have to shoot more. It is such a give and take situation that we just have to start taking more and you know it's as easy as that if you just if you have to take a shot into a couple of legs just do it get it moving and just hope for the best it's coming to the point of just start ripping it I'd say
1: yeah and the biggest thing you said there to me is when you said even if you shoot the puck you're moving the defense and that's a big thing because you can't wait for them to get out of position. You're shooting the puck, that's forcing them to get out of position because they're going to chase the rebound. They're going to, if you block the shot, they're going to look for it and they're going to stand still for a second. So you'll have an opportunity to adjust and hopefully find an open man. So that's the biggest thing to me. Do you think it's very important for the Pittsburgh Penguins to improve on the power play? Or do you think it's something that they can go with this kind of almost dormant power play and still be able to find success,
0: especially late in the season? Coming down late, it's not going to be helpful to have that kind of power play because with this kind of team, you figure you get a 5 on 3 it should be a for sure, a for sure goal, right? You Especially get a, when it's 90 seconds. Yeah. You get a power play at all, and it should be some sort of at least advantage, at least you know change the tide of the game a little bit, creating opportunities, tiring guys out. It's what you have to do. Yeah, it's, it would be nice to see us jump up a little bit, you know, in the rankings of a power play. I mean, I'm not too worried about rankings, just as long as, you know, we're scoring every now and again. But I'd be curious to know, I don't know if you know it or not, Where you said we're 19th in the league. Where does that stack up against playoff teams? It can't we're currently be... currently 15th in the league, actually, with a 19%. <sighs> That's what I meant. And...
1: I did look at this a little earlier. There's a couple teams ahead of us that aren't in the playoffs. Right. Namingly, the, the, most of them I looked at, and yes, it makes sense. They usually have good power play units. The one that didn't, to me, is Minnesota's ahead of us in power play.
0: Okay. And that could just be, you know, the way chips are falling for yeah, power they might play's just have, amount yeah. of them. And that's understandable. That's all statistic nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's why this that's why this, the ranking doesn't matter too much to me, but knowing that we are better than a couple of teams would be nice. Having the sort mm-hmm. of, I guess, just confidence in the team is also good. I mean, our penalty killing is phenomenal. I think we've also killed 11 straight now.
1: Yeah, our penalty kill is in the top 10, if not top 5, in the league right now. So that's not an issue. No, yeah, so our penalty kill isn't an
0: issue. Our It's just, you know, all your special teams have to be clicking, not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. We have a great, you know, defense defensive set of forwards which is really good our penalty kill is gonna be solid there's nothing to worry about there it seems that if you're on this team half like it really does seem like half split down the middle half these guys are defensive guys that will play on the penalty kill the other half are guys that will be you know assets on the power play Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to kind of think about now but it's guys that maybe start switching some up if you need to throw a Again, they won't throw an Aston Reese on a power play unit. You never know. Something might click. Something it around. I, was, I chose a I was very strange Brandon name. Tanev. Tanev, yes. I just throw a very strange name out there. I don't know why I chose that one. Uh, that but, was quite strange. Yes. Um, but you get what I'm going for. Like you mentioned, putting McCann on it is to get fresh blood, to get a little something new in there to switch it up. Who knows? Maybe that's the kind of thing it needs. I'm not saying change it every night. I'm not saying change it every time we go out there. I'm saying when things start to get stale that that's the kind of maneuver that needs to happen
1: yeah i completely agree and i think if the penguins are going to want to succeed late in the season and if they're going to want to succeed come playoff time they need to figure something out on the power play to score at a more consistent rate i get that we were one for one in the last game but you need to do it consistently not yep potting one goal every once in a while is not going to be enough especially like you said when you have a five on three you're down one goal on the road you get a 90 second five on three. You got to have more than one chance. If you don't score, you don't score. But you got to have more than one opportunity to score on, especially a guy like Andre Vasilevsky. So yeah. and unless you have anything else, I do have a couple more news and notes. But do you have anything else on the Pittsburgh Penguins power play specifically?
0: Yeah, I had mentioned like we had talked about just getting shots on net. That's one thing that hurt us in the Capitals one. There were multiple power plays. We didn't have a shot on net. You just got sometimes you just got to shoot the puck and hope for the best. It's just the way it's got to be from now on.
1: So Horwat, did you know that all of our episodes, and by all of our episodes I mean all of our new episodes <laughs> will be on our own individual feed? Did you know that?
0: I saw it. I've seen it. Yes.
1: You've seen it. Yes. Okay, did you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts possibly? Oh, dude, do I even still
0: have Apple Podcasts
1: on my phone. Well, you you could subscribe and you could also rate us five stars because you love the, <laughs> Hook of the Iceberg podcast. So, Our individual podcast should be up anywhere you get your podcast now. It's been a little over a week. All you have to do is search the tip of the iceberg wherever you get your podcast, and our lovely logo should pop up. You can go ahead and subscribe to the tip of the iceberg podcast. Leave comments, whether it's rude comments or good comments. I don't care. Leave a comment. I love to get your feedback. There's no
0: such thing as bad publicity, my guy. There you go.
1: Also, tune in to the new episode of Tales with TR featuring former first-round pick Terry Ryan, it is his podcast. Tune in, it is a good show. It's interesting, great stories all around. And also, before we go, one last thing. We, meaning you, Nick Horwat, and yes. I, Nick Berlansky, we're on an episode of the Ice Analytics podcast with the doctor, Matthew Arp, as we discuss the Pittsburgh Penguins' goaltender situation. So keep an eye out for that coming either this week or next week. We'll post about that on our individual social media pages but that is all for this one you can follow us at iceberg podcast on twitter our show is brought to you by the hockey podcast network they're on twitter at hockey every team everywhere have a good week pence fans